Welcome to Restitutio, where we dig beneath the layers of tradition to discover and live out authentic Christianity. I'm Sean Finnegan, your host, and today I've got a fascinating interview for you with Beckett Cook. Now, some of you may recognize his name from the interview I did with him two years ago, interview number 18. In that episode, Cook shared his amazing testimony of how he went from a committed gay production set designer in Hollywood to experiencing God in a church service so deeply that it completely changed his life forever. Here's a description that he wrote of that moment. Quote, All of a sudden, a giant wave of God's presence came crashing over me. A flood of intense warmth, emotion, and power coursed through me. I didn't understand it at the time, but now I believe it was the Holy Spirit. I had no prior experience with this, no framework for it, and no way of anticipating it. God revealed himself to me. In that moment, everything became clear. God was real, Jesus was real, the Bible was real, the resurrection was real, heaven was real, hell was real, it was all real. It felt like gallons of love were being poured into me. After my stunning encounters with God, I knew I could no longer pursue romantic relationships with men. Put plainly, I accepted that it was a sin. End quote. Actually, that was a mashup of quotes from his new book, called A Change of Affection, and it goes way more into detail than our earlier interview. It's an engaging, relatively short read, less than 200 pages, all telling Cook's history and conversion and how he thinks about same-sex attraction now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what the church needs. It needs people who are going to rise up and say, Christ is more satisfying. Sex is not salvation, whether heterosexual, homosexual— It is found in Christ alone, and that's exactly Cook's message. And what's so cool about Becca Cook's story is that it all happened 10 years ago. He's not some fly-by-night testimony today and fall away tomorrow kind of person. He's already stood the test of time. He's gone to seminary at Talbot, and he he understands the Christian worldview, and he has a seminary-level understanding of the Bible. In this interview, I ask him about the book, how it's been received, and about his future. And I think especially for those of you who heard the interview before, you'll enjoy this follow-up. Here now is episode 292, A Change of Affection with Beckett Cook. Well, Beckett Cook, welcome to Restitutio. I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you for having me, Sean. So to start out, let's talk about the book. It's called A Change of Affection. And I want to begin by asking, why did you decide to write a book? Well, it really was kind of a God decision. Uh I, I just felt like four years ago I, I started seminary, and before I started seminary, I just felt this kind of desire or, or kind of calling to write my story out. And so I just started writing the book, and I finished the first draft before seminary started, but then while I was in seminary for four years, it really... completely changed a lot of the book and shaped so much of what I wrote about. So that was a very important aspect of of writing the book. But the main main goal of of writing this book is really to help the church understand the issue of homosexuality from a biblically, theologically, culturally, and from someone who's been on both sides of this issue. Would you say then the main audience you had in mind when you were writing it 
was a Christian who's maybe unsure about this issue in light of all the cultural pressure to be open and affirming towards the LGBT community? Yes, I mean, it's not just the Christian who is, is unsure, but just the, just all Christians who, even the ones who have convictions about, you know, have the orthodox historical understanding of, of this issue, and and hold to those convictions. It's it's a book for for all for every Christian because it's for the ones who already have these convictions. It's just it's helpful. I think it would be helpful to them to understand this issue in a more kind of nuanced, fully orbed way, and also to just help them, you know, kind of like settle into their convictions even more. Just like oh okay yeah like this makes sense. And I'm not crazy to have these convictions, but it's as you said, it's also for the the Christian who is starting to waver in on this issue, and uh, even the one the Christians who have completely come to the conclusion that homosexuality is no longer a sin. It's it's for them to to really just kind of understand this issue and the blind spots that that we don't see because um, there's so many blind spots. I mean, their culture, the culture is so powerful right now. And a lot of us were not understanding how influential the culture is and um, what a blind spot that is. And so we just have to recognize that and, and realize, you know, <clears throat> the culture doesn't change the word of God, regardless of what the culture is saying. It doesn't change the word of God. Yeah, yeah. You you bring this up uh, in the book. I was just taking a look at this a little bit. Uh, if you say on uh, page one sixty five, if you believe that homosexuality is a sin, you are immediately labeled a bigot or homophobic. It's not even okay anymore to just agree to disagree. How did this happen? How did the hostility become so fiery? Somewhere in the last decade, I disagree with you came to mean I hate you. <laughs> and that really summarizes well where we're at, because as Christians, you know, we, we do have a different worldview, but I fear that so many of us are not able to really decipher or distinguish between the Christian worldview and just sort of like the default postmodernism that's like in the air we're all breathing. Um, so it, it's definitely an issue, this this one in particular, that is on the forefront of people's minds up here in upstate New York, where I live, just like right off the bat, you know, how, how could I possibly even consider associating with a Christian or becoming a Christian or going to a church service or whatever, because you guys, you, you, you hate gay people. And it's like, what, what, what are you talking about? Uh, but that's really well, where people yeah. are coming from. And I, you know, and I, as I talk about this in the book, I, I felt the same way when I was living as a gay man for my entire adult life. I, I felt like Christians were the enemy. Not, you know, it wasn't like an everyday thought I had in my mind, but I mean, in general, I thought Christians believe who I am, quote unquote, is wrong. And so therefore they're the enemy. And I didn't want anything to do with them. But what, what was interesting is after my conversion from atheism to Christianity on that amazing day on September 20th, 2009, I realized that the Christians in my church and the Christians I, I got to know were just some of the most amazing, loving people I've ever met in my life. And that's what I didn't know about Christians is... I thought they were the enemy. I didn't know. I didn't know any Christians except my family members. But 
what I didn't realize is regardless of if you're become a Christian or not, they, these people are, were so loving and so generous with their, their time and their love to people and, and people who in the LGBTQ community, they, they were super loving to them. And so that was my, you know, misunderstanding about Christians for all those years. And, and now I understand that no Christians, I mean, yes, there are some Christians who <laughs> aren't as loving as they can be, but yes, um, there are. But you know, I've found that that it's you know more often than not, they're uh, Christians are super loving, and it's just you know, and it's just this disconnect because when you're gay, you, it's like that's your identity and that's who you think you are, and so, and when anyone or anything threatens that identity you immediately think of that person or that thing as the enemy. So that's why, that's why it's so difficult to reconcile the two things. Yeah, yeah. And it's a personal attack. It's not just an attack on an abstract idea or viewpoint that you have. You feel like you are personally being attacked because it's your identity. Exactly. Yeah, and as I said, I say in my book, you know, my family loved me for all those years they were super loving towards me but i at the same time i knew because they were christians i knew that they believed homosexuality was a sin and so i always felt this kind of alienation from them even though they they weren't aware of it but i felt alienated from them because i felt like they just didn't get me they weren't on the same page with me and so I understand that. I understand that feeling, you know, of, of just not being able to connect with Christians if you, if you are living that life. Yeah. Now, was it difficult for you to find a publisher for this book, considering the culture right now? No, actually, it wasn't. It was interesting because as soon as I graduated from Talbot School of Theology, my seminary at Biola University, God is... God is amazing because he it just he God called me to seminary. I felt a really strong calling to go. I went, and then like the day after I graduated, I got a book agent, and then I got a book deal like a month, you know, two weeks later, and so or a month later, and so it was. It all happened very fast, and um, I actually got two offers from from publishers, and I ended up going with Thomas Nelson, but. Um, it, yeah, it was amazing how God did that. And I, I, I wasn't really surprised, but um, I was just surprised at how fast it went. Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got an incredible testimony. I mean, any publisher that wouldn't jump on that, I think, is, is just crazy. But, uh, I, you know, I'm delighted to see that there wasn't enough resistance, I guess, among just, like, booksellers or Amazon. You mentioned, like, Amazon— uh, there, there might be some resistance there. Could you talk about well, that a little I, bit? Well, I just there was there's a a group of people who one of the the main persons used to go to my church, and he is uh, he has a big following on social media, and he is now you know living as a gay man, and before the book came out, was posting a lot on social media saying you know get this book banned on Amazon, like, and all of his followers were like, yeah, how do we do that? How do we get it banned? And I was just like, what is going on? I mean, thankfully, Amazon hasn't banned it, which I hope they don't do. But um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, there's been a little bit of 
kind of backlash from the book coming out with some people. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I found so interesting, intriguing about the book, uh, on the back, actually, the endorsements. Um, it's funny. The, the first two are from these respected evangelical academics. You have D.A. Carson and J.P. Moreland, um, pretty much household names for any evangelical. And then the last two are those uh, folks who write about and help Christian folks with same-sex attraction. That's uh, Caleb Kaltenbach, uh, who mm-hmm. grew up with gay parents, and uh, Sam Albury, uh, who does a lot of work out of the UK. And then in the middle, <laughs> you've got this <laughs> uh, random celebrity, Stephen Baldwin. And uh, you know, I just love the back of this book because it's like a little window into your life. You've got the academics, the friend of celebrities, then you're the gay Christian activist. And so like, talk a little bit about those who maybe don't know that much about your background, why this is the collection of people that are well, <laughs> I love that you say a random celebrity, Stephen Baldwin. Um, I don't think he would enjoy that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just got different people from, you know, all kind of parts of my life. Um, some uh, JP Moreland was a professor of mine at Talbot. DA Carson, I had met and he he read the book and endorsed it, which was amazing. And then Sam Albury is a friend, and he endorsed it, which was great. And Caleb is a friend, too, Caleb Kaltenbach. But, yeah, and Stephen Baldwin is a very, very close friend of mine. I met him at my church. when He lives in New York, but when he's in L.A., he and his wife come to my church, Reality L.A. And uh, we met, I guess, three years ago now, maybe two and a half years ago. And we just became like super close overnight. Like we immediately went out to dinner that night and he's become a very close friend and a very big, big, big supporter of the book. And so um, he loves the message of this book and um, he wants to, you know, try to promote it as much as he can. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then uh, you've got Francis Chan here. Yeah. Francis wrote the foreword, which was very sweet. How did that happen? Did you... Did you meet him at, at church, or what was that? Yeah, I met Francis, um, it was like my first semester of seminary, I think 2014 or 2015. It may have been my second semester, I'm not sure. But I went and spoke at a church up in San Francisco, Reality San Francisco, which is our sister church. And Francis was there, Francis Chan, and we had dinner before I spoke, and then while I was getting mic'd on stage to about to speak, he came up to me and he just said, um, Hey, I just, you know, was talking to my wife on the way here and his wife, Lisa, and, uh, we left a restaurant and then we went to the venue. And so he was like on our way here from the restaurant, we were just talking and we want to support you in any way we can. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and Francis ended up helping pay for, you know, seminary for all those years. And then, and then he helped with the book. And, and, uh, when I asked him to write the forward, he, he just said, of course, and, and he wrote it. And so it was very, very kind of him. So he's really been investing in you for quite a while then. Yeah. Since I met him, like he's been very, very much part of my life. Wow, that's so cool. Is he pretty intense in person? Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> or is he? Is he? Does he ever relax, or is he always just like? <laughs> always, on, uh, is he always like on fire? What do you? What do you he's think? always high octane. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's the impression I got. I don't know. 
He, yeah, I mean, he's an intense person, I think, in general. So, yeah, he's he's pretty intense. But he's, I mean, he's he's very lovely and funny, and you know, he's great to hang out with. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Let me get to the uh, order of the book. Uh, why did you decide to front load your conversion story in the first two chapters rather than telling the whole thing chronologically? That was my publisher's idea. Yeah, originally I had the first chapter is is kind of me just like meeting those people at a coffee shop and seeing them with Bibles on the table and and then being invited to their church the next Sunday. And so I had all that as the first chapter. And then at the end of the first chapter, I basically say, I can't remember exactly, but like what would happen in the next week or whatever would change my life forever. And then I go, you know, I went back to my childhood and, right, and kind yeah. of went through all the the steps of of what happened. And then the last chapter of the first part of my book was supposed to be the one about my conversion, you know, to Christianity and what all the, what happened. But my publisher just thought it was a good idea to put that that last conversion chapter right after the first chapter, just wow. so the reader, because readers. The the thing is, like, a lot of people, when they read books, they kind of just read the first couple chapters, <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they, like, kind of put them down. But so it was just to kind of grab the reader and get to the ending quickly, and then go back to how all of my life led up to that moment. Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting reading it that way, because I was already familiar with your story from our previous conversation, which was two years ago, by the way. Wow. And, um, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, and then at reading, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, this is starting at the end, and th- and then I was like, well, where? What's the rest of the book about? And then uh, we go back to childhood. I'm like, oh, I get it. This is like, this is like, you see the end of the movie, and then it's a flashback, and you and you start start in the beginning and find out how do we get here? Yeah, um, exactly. Which which works, you know? It's it's cool. I just was curious why you had done that, but that blame makes sense. Thomas Nelson for that. I yeah, my editor. Well, publishers are realists. They know. What people yeah. really do as opposed to what we think we do or what we wish we did. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they're probably right about that. Let's talk about coming out of the closet. In the book, you described how you shared your faith with your close friends. As a Christian, I mean. I should clarify that. You talk about how you shared your faith with your close friends uh, pretty much right away, and uh, then shortly after that, you would witness to folks on sets and tell them about Jesus. Uh, but even just a couple years ago, you were somewhat in the closet with your Christian, maybe not your Christianity, but your stance on homosexuality on social media. What led to your changing your mind on that? Because you are very much mm-hmm. like front and center right now um, on social media, everywhere, just online. I know. What led to that change? As you said, like I was a you know set designer for uh, many, many years, Um but and I was very vocal on the set and very vocal personally with one on one with people. I would be very honest and I would tell them, you know, I met Jesus and my life changed and I don't live as a gay man anymore. That's not who I am anymore. That's not my life. I live a celibate single life. And I was very comfortable doing that kind of in person, one on one. But I, yeah, you're right. I didn't really post a lot about it on social media, although there was kind of some videos out there online about my story and over over the years. So it was kind of like, yeah, I was like halfway sort of in the closet about it and halfway out. And But once I knew once the book came out, like the jig was up, it was like, okay, like this, it's all out in the open now that the, now that the book is out. So 
so now I, it's not an issue anymore. Although what's interesting is my agency, I haven't really said this publicly, but my agency who represented me as a, a production designer, they just dropped me. Oh, wow. Which is, they had vague reasons why. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's because of the book and the book came out and because I worked with all, you know, I worked with Katy Perry and with like all, just all, every movie star, every celebrity, every pop singer I've worked with. And, and, and I work with so many different people in Hollywood that it's like, it, you know, it's kind of impossible to have a book like this out and continue to work with those people because you suddenly become persona non grata on, on these sets. And so it was kind of a shock to me, but I kind of saw it coming, but it was also still a shock when I got an email from my agency saying, you know, we think it's best to part professional ways. And I was like, whoa, okay. Wow. How long were you with them? 10 years. I was with another agent 10 years before that. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty, pretty bizarre. Wow. Yeah. When you follow Jesus, you have to count the costs and that's part of it. Yeah. In a sense, it's a real shame because it would have been really great for you to, you know, be able to continue on in that arena and, you know, just be an authentic Christian. And But, the, you know, sad thing about our culture is that there really isn't tolerance for people who believe, for example, homosexuality is a sin, you know, who, who hold to a traditional biblical ethic. You know, there, it's, it's just, all right, well, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, our our culture is all about self-expression and being authentic and who you are. But if who you are goes against <laughs> the cultural narrative, they don't want to know about it. They don't want to hear about it, and they just shut you down. And that's what they, they basically that's what happened to me. I just my particular brand of self-expression was not welcome in Hollywood. Wow. So, how have people received the book? Have you had any feedback yet? Yeah, I've gotten tons of feedback, with the exception of the very kind of loud vocal haters, as I would call them. I've gotten such real, like positive, positive feedback from the book and um, from people and just people. It's you know, I've gotten tons of emails and and Facebook messages and and Instagram messages and all these messages. And the thing is, here's the thing about the book is. I've gotten so many emails from from heterosexual people who have said to me, wow, this book has convicted me in so many ways. And not on just, not just on this issue of homosexuality, but just in general on just on what it means to be a Christian and what it looks like to live a Christian life and, and, um, and counting the costs and all that. And so I've gotten so many emails about just, you know, how, it's really strengthened people's faith and strengthened their, you know, convictions and on, on just a multitude of things. And so that's been really cool to see that it's affecting not just people around this issue, but just people in general with their faith and their walk with the Lord. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about your future. I mean, it seems, are, are you looking to get hired by another agency to continue with the set design, or, or are you no, going no. full-time into ministry at this point, or what, what does it look like? It's a losing battle for me to, to try to continue to pursue set design, production design, because the, it just, it's just not going to work. Um, it's just like Stephen Baldwin, when he became a Christian, you know, he became born again in 2000, uh, I think 2001. 
and he was doing really well in Hollywood and did you a bunch of, you know, the usual suspects and a ton of movies and TV shows. Yeah. And he was doing really well. And then he became a Christian and suddenly he was no longer welcome in Hollywood. I mean, that's just like the norm. So um, I don't think that's something I'll be pursuing anymore. And I knew kind of this was all happening because I, I feel like God is calling me now into more of a full-time ministry with this, with this issue and with this subject and, and with the book. And, and, and so I speaking at a lot of, you know, churches and, and conferences and, and hopefully I, you know, I would love to speak at university campuses, um, even, you know, especially Christian universities, which are kind of all over the place with this issue. So that's where I think God is leading me is to like, you know, really full time focus on this uh, ministry. Well, that's, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you say universities, that's kind of a scary thought. Not not because you wouldn't do well speaking, but because they are often so protested. Uh, n- not so much the Christian ones, but uh, if you go to a, a, a private school or, or state school, secular school, there's so many times where a speaker comes in and, and they're you know just heckled relentlessly. Have you have you given much thought to that? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I definitely don't want, you know, to have to have a security team with me, you know, to go into a building in the back door or something. So yeah, I have thought about that and I don't know. We'll we'll cross that bridge when it happens, but I yeah. don't I don't know how that's gonna work out. Yeah. There really are two different avenues here for you as as I'm listening to you describe and you sort of paint a picture of the future here. I mean you've got the, the church itself, and, and, the, and the church, as, as you point out in the book, needs strengthening. Christianity is a religion of love. It's, it's, it's all about loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so people get uh, kind of worked up and squeezed within the, the tension of, well, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, and my, number, my neighbor is gay, and my neighbor is offended by me not affirming their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So... You know, what do I do? And um, a lot of denominations, a lot of individuals really, you know, just out of a desire to not cause offense and, and to make others happy, I think, uh, which, you know, these are innate desires in all of us, that they would then relax their view on, on this or that scripture that is, is pretty clear on the subject. And then you have the other side in the church, which is the, the folks that are homophobic and they're just absolutely inappropriate in their in their views and you know that maybe they might be technically right in some ways but the, their treatment is just absolutely unacceptable so i think both sides of that within the church definitely need a beckett cook to speak into that and you know you can speak with such authority because you've lived it right yeah and you know it just reminds me of uh jesus when he you know he says if the world hates you, know that it has hated me, hated me before it hated you, and and that's that's comforting to me to you know to know that um, and to just keep reminding myself of that because as Christians we're aliens in this land we're aliens and we're like we're like the the Jews in Babylon we're um, yeah and we're <clears throat> this isn't our home and so non-believers and people who don't understand us are, are going to hate us and are going to that's another reason like I wrote this book is because I talk about that in the book too. And it's just like, I want to kind of help Christians understand that, you know, this, 
this life is a vapor. <laughs> it's so short. And that's what I really try to get across in the book is, is, you know, this life is over in a second and eternity is a very long time. Yes, it is. And so, <laughs> so we are going to be hated. We are, we are going to be, you know, despised by people just like Jesus was. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an irony that while um, being gay was less accepted, you were in that lifestyle, and now that the culture shifted, you switched sides. <laughs> I know. It's you're, really you're swimming upstream again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win either way. I know. When I came out as gay in the 90s, you know, it was like a scandal in the early 90s. I came out, and now I come out as a Christian who believes homosexuality is a sin, and it's a scandal Unbelievable. Again. And it's like, what? What's going yeah. on? Maybe God was preparing you in some way. I, I don't know. Um, you talk about this uh, dinner yeah. party at the end of the book, too, in Malibu, uh, where you were you were sharing your faith, and you could see that uh, people started to get, like, really hostile. Um, could you share that mm-hmm. story a little bit? Yeah, so I... Um my friend who goes to my church, uh, he, he came out of the homosexual life too, and he was saved out of that. And his boss was this guy who lived in Malibu and had this like gigantic, you know, $20, $40 million house. I don't know. It was huge. And they, and his boss was gay and not a believer, kind of a new age, a new age person. But he invited the two of us to come out to talk about our uh-huh. faith, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> and so, of course, I said, you know, yes, I would love to come talk about the gospel. That's all I, that's all I like to talk about. And so we went out there, and, you know, I wasn't really expecting this, but there were, because I thought it was just going to be him and another person, but it was actually a whole group of his friends. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so we walk in, and I see, I'm like, oh, gosh, there's like 10 people around this table. And he, we, he immediately opens up by saying, oh, these are my friends Beckett and, and Andrew, and Beckett, um, Beckett, why don't you tell everyone your story? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't, even had, I haven't even had a bite of my salad yet. Um, and so I ended up telling, you know, talking about my story, and everyone there, no one there was a believer. I mean, they were all kind of like Malibu, very like new agey spiritual people. So I'm telling my story and they're all kind of tracking with me a little bit. You know, I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about like what happened to me. And then I get to the gay part Uh and I say, and I tell them, you know, yeah. And I, I now understand that that's not who I am and that's not God's design for human sexuality and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I, started explaining that and then they suddenly the room just shifted like the the whole mood of the room shifted Mm -hmm. and they started to become really hostile to me the tone of the room was just got louder and louder and and at one point i just kind of like stopped everyone i said hey 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 (laughs) i was like listen i did not drive to Malibu on a school night because I was in seminary at the time and uh-huh. I had midterms like the next day. I was like, I drove an hour to Malibu tonight to share the gospel with you guys. I didn't drive out here to, to like win a debate on this issue. I literally came out here and the only reason I'm here, the only reason is because I love you guys. That's it. 
And then, and then suddenly they were like, oh. And then the, the whole tone of the room kind of calmed down and they, they were very sweet after that. But I was like, I told them, I was like, I'm not here to, to convince you of this or to, to win this debate. I'm just here to tell you what happened to me. And, and I'm here to tell you this, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and how it can transform your life. But, you know, and I, I'm literally only doing this out of love. That's all I, I'm, there's no other motivation for me to do this. That's, that's such a great story because it really gets at the heart of it. Because, you know, there is going to be a resistance when you bring up this subject we can mix it with love. We can mix it by saying, hey, look, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to ruin your life or tell you that you're evil or anything. You know, I'm telling you this because I love you, because I care. That's a great example for us uh, to consider for that. Yeah. Now, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how, how can they do that? Uh, well, they can go to my website, which is beckettcook.com. So it's B-E-C-K-E-T, one T, and then C-O-O-K dot com. And there's a thing you can click on to, to email me. Contact form. Yeah. You're looking to get into speaking more and coming to churches and, and colleges and universities. How can people support you financially? Is that, do you have like a donate option on your website or... Is that not so? I yet? don't. I mean, I don't. I don't really have that on my website. Um, I haven't really thought about that. Um, okay. That's a good point, Sean. Well, um, you know, that's <laughs> maybe that's, I should maybe I should start something like that. Well, um, you know, if you're not going to continue with the set, the production set design, then you know, you you got to make a living, right? So, right. Um, yeah. I think there'd just be a lot of people out there who, you know, would be interested in, in helping out. And, you know, if, if enough people get behind you, you know, they don't have to give huge amounts, but, you know, just regular amounts. And this could be a really great sustained ministry. And, you know, maybe there would be, you know, other creative options, you know, maybe a book, another book or a movie or YouTube mm-hmm. videos or a po- who knows? Who knows what would happen? Yeah, um, my end game or end goal kind of for the book really is, has been for a long time. It's been, I ultimately want to turn it into a movie because I'm such a visual person. I've, you know, as you know, I've been a set designer forever and I've been, I've written many screenplays over the years. I've been in Hollywood for, you know, 25 years. And so that's kind of like the, the ultimate dream. Um, if God, if God, you know, leads me in that way, I would love to turn this book into a movie. It's almost like the unplanned movie about the abortion debate. Um, Uh that I, that I think that movie was so powerful. And I just think that, you know, people, people don't read as much as you know. And I think if, if this were in a, you know, movie form, people would go see it. And so I, I would really love to get to that point where we can turn it into a movie. That sounds like a winning idea to me. Uh, my, my only question would be, how do they do the whole, you know, in the church and you have this visionary experience? How do, how do you portray that? I don't know. It'd have to be kind of like uh, Terrence Malick sort of directing style. You know, he did uh-huh. the like Tree of Life and those movies yeah. um, where it's, you know, very kind of ethereal kind of moments. And I think it would have to be Maybe I'll get Terrence Malick to direct it. Who knows? That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyhow, uh, thank you so much for taking some time out to come on Restitutio today, Beckett. I really appreciate it, and uh, I really wish you the best uh, with your your book uh, and subsequent ministry. And uh, really, really love to see how you follow through. You know, you got the book done. It's published. It's out. 
and uh, we'll see what God does with it. Yes, thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me on again. It's it's good to talk to you. And yeah, and if you know, the book is a change of affection. That's the title, a change of affection. And just get it because it's it'll be really it's a fun read. I, Sean, you probably could testify to this. Yes, it's a it fun is. read. It I, you know, I'm, I'm a funny person. So anyway, yeah. I'm just kidding. But um, it's fun. It's a fun yeah. read, and it's a quick read. So, but thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. Well, that concludes our interview. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to get in touch with Beckett Cook, you can reach him on his website, beckettcook.com, and you can get his book. You should get his book, really. It's that good. On Amazon or wherever you buy books, it's a change of affection, and it will encourage you. And I think I also saw it on Audible for the audiobook people out there. Also, I just wanted to acknowledge a couple of changes on the Restitutio podcast. Uh, first of all, I've got some new intro music. Uh, this is version three. So far, I'm really liking it. I probably shouldn't change my intro music, um, but I don't know. I get so tired of the same old, same old, don't you? So I changed it, and I hope you like it. Additionally, I decided to change my numbering system. I was keeping track of regular podcasts, and I had a separate list for interviews and another for off-script episodes. I'm doing away with all of that complicated counting and I'm just going with a straight numbering system. This is now starting with this episode, number 292, and we'll go and we'll just go forward like this from here on out. It'll simplify things for me and hopefully for you as well. All right, well thanks for tuning in. Please share this episode on social media and if you want to leave a comment, visit restitutio.org. It's like the word restitution, just take the n off .org. And you can find episode 292, A Change of Affection, with Beckett Cook and add your voice to the mix. See you next week. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.